Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, big welcome to you today. Big welcome to you if you're a guest here today. Big welcome back to the pages. What a lovely surprise. The show. Brilliant. Rob and Laura and the family, brilliant to see you guys. Thanks for coming. And if you're tuning on podcast, thank you for listening. And uh, it's our, our prayer today that we'd be encouraged as a church family. Today we are starting a, a brand new um, three-part um, series called The Final Countdown. And as we approach Easter, we are looking at different, at, not in chronological order, but different events in the life of Jesus leading up to his, his death and ultimate victory on the cross on that, um, on that Easter Sunday. Wonderful, the final countdown. And so this is where we're going for the next um, sort of few weeks. And, uh, and, and it's my privilege to be able to start the, the series today. Um, I want to talk about weddings. Okay, give me a wave if you've ever been to a wedding. Yes, yes. The year Leanne and I got married, um, including our own, we attended seven different weddings. That was the year. And I know what you're like, ladies, when it comes to weddings and, and what to wear. And, and if you're anything like Leanne, which I'm sure many of you are, you take hours to get ready. Hours, hours. And that's just choosing what you're going to wear. And uh, where's us men? We have a shower. We do our hair and put a suit on. And it's easy, isn't it? Easy, men. Yeah, easy. Um, unless you're... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really into your appearance. Brilliant. But this is a great, a great year for, for weddings for us as a family, but also for us as a church. So on um, this year, on the 11th of May, we have um, Tia and Wayne getting married. Yay! Give us a wave, give us a wave. Yay! Fantastic. Brilliant. They are tying the knot before God, and we're so thrilled as a church family to be able to be doing that. And uh, everyone's invited to the service, so the service will be at one o'clock, everyone will be invited to that. And um, I've, I've got permission to say this, so I'm not embarrassing anyone, but I wonder whether as a church family we can put on a, a great time for, for, for Tia and for Wayne. There's different things that we can do that are needed. We need someone that can video the service. And video the great entrance, okay? We need a couple of cars that can pick them up in the morning, the wedding party, transport brought them here. We may need some people that are good at making sandwiches, yeah, and some refreshments, we would need that. There's lots of different things that we need. So I wonder if, as a church family, we can pull together and make the 11th of May for Tia and Wayne a fantastic day just to, as they start their married life together. Amen? Amen? That'd be brilliant. And also, we've got another wedding, um, not, not in the church, but um, Leanne's youngest sister, Sylvia, is getting married. Now, many of you will, will know that Leanne is half Italian. And uh, one of the, her mum's probably biggest regrets is never teaching you Italian. Okay, but just to really make this happen, um, Sylvia, her youngest sister, um, has been learning Italian because she is marrying a full Italian. And uh, from January next year, she's going to live abroad, and that's the Italian we wedding invite. We're having two, two weddings. We're going to have the British wedding where she's officially getting married, and then the family going to Italy to uh, have an Italian celebration for the Italian families that can't make it over to the UK. So I cannot understand a word of that. 
um, apart from Sylvia Jane Cooper. Um, but weddings are great. We get an invitation and we start to get excited. We put it in our calendars, into our diaries. And, uh, but what's one thing that appears on every invitation? RSVP. Reponde s'il vous plaît, the French, meaning reply please. Reply please. Now, let's, let's just have a bit of confession. Confe confession is good for the soul. Who's someone's been slow to reply to uh, a, an invite to a wedding or something? Who's had to be chased before? Okay, confession's good, isn't it? We're in God's house. It's good to confess our wrongdoings. But yeah, so, and it's, it's hard because like, you know, they're planning this, and so we've, uh, we've replied, well, they know they were coming because Leanne's matron of honor, and, and I'll have the kids for the day. And, um, and, uh, and, and, but they've had to chase people for it. But there's always an RSVP, Reponde Sivu Play. And today, um, I'm going to be talking about a, a great story that Jesus told in the Bible about the great wedding feast. It's a well-known um, account in Matthew, and we're going to look at that in a moment. But there's a tension in our lives, isn't there, when it comes to doing things at the right time. When you get an invite to a wedding, you have to respond, hopefully, by a certain time. Why? Because there's things that need to be done. There's a time limit, because arrangements need to be made. But in our lives, there's a time limit to different things. In our workplaces, there's a tension that we have in our world, in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods. We have relationships that God has put us within. But there's a time limit. We may not always have connections with these people. They may just be for a season. You may move, move house. You may move job. And you might lose connection. But in those seasons, God is wanting us to do something to reach out, to connect with the people in our world. But it has a time limit. And the question is, what stops us from RSVPing? What stops us from doing what God is putting on our hearts at that time? Maybe there's fear. Maybe there's anxiety. Maybe there's a, an apathy. I, I can't be bothered. I'm, maybe I'm too busy. Whatever the reasons we come, God wants us to know what it is that we need to reach out and to do something about the connections that we have in our world because the time is ticking. And there's a final countdown. It is really fascinating reading um, the account of the last week in, in, in the Bible. And it's found in, in, in Matthew and Mark and some of John and and And, and it's really deep. Jesus had a crazy busy week. And if it, you knew it was going to be your last week, on, uh, uh, last week before you died, you'd want to choreograph that week as best you can, wouldn't you? You want to make sure that what was written going to be written about you, what you said, what you taught, what you did, would make a mark in people's lives forever. Because it's leading up to the greatest victory the world has ever known. The greatest victory. Because if it didn't happen, we would not be in our seats today. And you and I, if we're Christ followers, would not be saved. But it led to that. So we had to do something. So he had to think, well, what am I going to say? And as I'm reading the accounts, what I'm noticing... Not all, but Jesus was having a right go at the religious authorities, at the Sanhedrin, at the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders. He was having a right go at them, almost like, it was almost like bringing to a boil, a melting pot in this, in this, in this city of Jerusalem. So almost like it was like agitating them to do something, maybe to, to bring about the crucifixion of his life. But what he was saying was agitating. Maybe he had enough. Because the thing is, the religious leaders of the, of the time, 
knew what to do, but didn't do it. And we have these, these words of scripture in Matthew 21. Matthew 21, Jesus says to them, because they're, they're saying, it's Jesus teaching in the temple, and they're saying, but what authority? Who gave you permission to teach like this in this temple? Who gave you that permission? Who do you think you are, Jesus, from Nazareth, carpenter's son? Who do you think you are? Who gave you this authority, this permission? And Jesus replies to them, says, have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. <laughs> the Lord has done this, and it's marvellous in our eyes. Can you see him getting in their faces? Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. And then he goes on to say this. He goes on to then say that actually... Your lives are like whitewashed tombs. He says, actually, on the outside, you care about the outside more than the inside. You care about appearance. You care about how things look. You want the best places at feasts. You want people to give you glory and honor. But actually, it's not about that. It's about the inside. And when you get the inside right, it washes out onto the outside. And we can be a bit like that, can't we? You can be worried about how things look and appearance. But actually, God wants us to care more about what's on the inside than the outside. And he was really getting in their faces. So much so, he told some different parables that would basically direct dig at these religious leaders. And they knew it. And so they started to get among themselves. How are we going to put him to death? How are we going to speed this up? How are we going to expedite his death? Because this man, Jesus, needs to die. Who does he think he is? And one of those parables, one of those stories... Heavenly stories with an earthly meaning was from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14, the parable of the wedding banquet. So we can have it on the screen, but turn to it in the Bibles if you wish. Um, and this is just a, a thought-provoking story that Jesus told with different meanings. And we're just going to go through it today as part of our thinking about RSVP, Reponde s'il vous plaît, our time to reply to the invite. Do you know what? Every one of us has got an invite I'm going to ask, invite the hosting team right now to give out an invite. These are, our, these are our invites to our Easter Day celebration service. And uh, we've got proper printed ones coming tomorrow. But we're going to give, put one of these in everyone's hand. And our prayer is that as a church, can we be praying this week? Ahead of next week, can we be praying? Who can we give an invitation to? You have an invite. Every single one of us has an invite. But there's people in our lives, people in our worlds who don't yet have an invite that we're going to give an invite to. This week, 2,000 invitations to our, um, our next Saturday event and our Easter Sunday event and cap flyers are going out to 2,000 homes this week. We've got another 1,000 lef left over. They can be used for, su for Saturday and also they're going to be used for Sunday where you take them home and you think, well, who can I give this to? Who in my world? Who in my workplace? Who in my family? Can I leaflet my street? Wonderful. So you have an invite. And here we're talking about the, uh, a wedding banquet. So let's see what Jesus said. Is he's think, talking against these religious leaders that care more about the outside than the inside. And Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet 
for his son. So basically, he's putting on a wedding for a prince. He sent his servants to tell those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. So here in this parable, Jesus is setting the scene that people have already been invited to this wedding banquet. And in those days, it wasn't just a one day like a British wedding, probably a seven-day feast, a seven-day wedding. Wow, what a party. What a lavish party, a lavish expense. People have been invited. And yet, he had to tell his, his, his servants to go and tell them to come. It's a bit like you and I when we don't respond to an RSVP. You have to be chased. And here's a lavish uh, do, but they're having to be chased to come. But why? But they actually refused to come. They made a decision, not that just, I, don't, I can't come. I don't want to come. I don't want to come. So in verse 4, then he sent, this is the king, sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. If you like, the dinner's on the table. The dinner's getting cold. My oxen and fattened, car, fattened car, cattle have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. And before we go on, just to, we're talking about a king and that's representing Father God. And his son is getting married, representing Jesus. And the invites have gone out. Who have the invites gone out? At the time, and Jesus is having a dig, they've gone out to the house of Israel. They've gone out to the house of Israel. They've gone out to you, religious leader, that cares more about the outside than the inside. They've gone out to you, and you are invited. But religious leader, you're refusing to come. And, and twice I've sent my servants to say, come. But you refuse to do it. You refuse to acknowledge who I am. I've been around you, said Jesus, for, for three years, performing miracles, teaching about the kingdom of God. And you're worried because people are following me and you're upset about it because you're, up, you're worried about you and your life. I can look after that. My father, your father can look after that, but you don't want to engage. You don't want to enter the kingdom of God. You don't want to bear its fruit. And in verse 5, but they paid no attention. They paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. You see, they paid no attention to the invite. They paid no attention to the reminder of the invite. They paid no attention to the reminder of the reminder of the invite. They paid no attention. Church, the things that matter to us, we pay attention to, don't we? We put in full focus and full vision the things that matter to us. The things before our eyes, we pay full attention to. We're at the moment, sort of just trying to train Daniel at the moment about paying attention. If you've got children, you will know about what it is to to train children to pay attention. And Daniel was in a swimming lesson the other day and, uh, and the teacher was teaching him what to do and he, wasn't, he was looking anywhere but at the, at the teacher because he wasn't paying attention. He wasn't putting into focus the person that was instructing him how to best do breaststroke. So at the end of the session, he, he probably hadn't done much better in terms of breaststroke and she was telling him how to do it again because he wasn't putting into view his attention, he wasn't really listening. 
And we need to we put into attention the things that matter to us. Can I say this? You matter to God. You're in full view of him. Every single one of us is in full view of God and we matter to him. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross on that Easter Friday. Knowing that he'd, he'd raise it again, defeat death, defeat sin, so that you and I can have eternal life. To live forever with Jesus. We were in God's sight. You are in God's sight. Maybe you're here today, you're not yet a, a, a believer in Jesus. You are in God's sight. God loves you so, so much. But can I also say God loves your people in your world so, so much? Ask you a question. Are they really in your sight? When we go to our workplaces, are they really in your sight? Are we sometimes too busy? Are we sometimes not bothered? Who's in our sight? Who does God want to put into your sight? Who does God want you to pay attention to? Then in verse 8, Jesus carries on. He says to, to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. He's talking about those, those people in Israel, the religious leaders that wouldn't come. So go to the street corners. Invite to the banquet anyone you find. He wants his place filled with people. Imagine a wedding banquet with no guests. What a damp, weird lettuce that would be, eh? It'd be rubbish, wouldn't it? So we've got to fill it with people. We've got to get people. We've got to get people. So he sent his servants, go, go, go. Find whoever you can. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find. The bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Amazing. So suddenly they'd done it. They found some people. The people that weren't originally invited, but they found some guests to come. But this is an interesting part of this story. Because Jesus says, when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. So in this wedding account, the king is obviously providing wedding gowns, outfits for the guests to wear. And here we've got someone who has got into this wedding and he's not wearing what was provided for him because all the guests have received certain outfits. And so when he's kindly asked, where's your wedding outfit? He does not say a thing. He was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. I've today got um, two shirts. I'm going to talk more about that in a minute. I've got my DIY shirt. This is what I wear to do the garden or, or do any painting and decorating. Um, that's not porridge, that's paint. Okay. And I've got a, a nicer shirt just there. They're not wedding outfits, but to certain occasions, I might wear a nicer shirt and not my old rags. So what, this is, sounds harsh, doesn't it? This sounds really harsh. You know, here's someone that's at the wedding, but he's been ejected. He's been thrown out. Can I say this, church? Your invite gives you the right to come. Every single one of us has an invite, has an invitation to this great wedding. Jesus got a parable here, but actually 
Jesus is the bridegroom and his church, those people that come to saving faith in Christ Jesus, give their life to Jesus, say, Jesus, I surrender to your will. I don't want to do life, my life my way anymore. Forgive me of my sins, what I think wrong, do wrong and say wrong. Forgive me. I want to become a child of God. And at that point, a transaction is made and we're transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and we're called sons and daughters of King, of King Jesus. Amen? We are the bride of Christ. The Bible gives us different uh, labels, but the church is the bride of Christ. And when Jesus comes back again, there's going to be a massive party in heaven. The massive party. Jesus being the, the bridegroom and us, the believers, people who have given our lives to Christ to follow him, are the bride of Christ. You and I have our invite, which gives us the right to come, to come to the table, the wedding feast table. Your invite gives you the right to come to his table. I want to encourage every single one of you today to not look down upon your salvation. Not look down at what God has done in your life. Through the difficulties, through the hardships and others of life, God's not bad. God loves you. God provides for you. God wants the best for your life. But he wants you to come to his table. Maybe some of you here today have never yet got to that point where you say, I want to surrender my life to you, Jesus. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves you so much. It was 2,000 years ago, over. But he would, if, he was a, if he did it in this generation, he'd have still have done it for you. Because he loves you so, so much. The question is, will you come to his table? But the thing is, there are some conditions to come to his table. And Paul writes this in Colossians 3. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The thing is, the religious leaders of the day want to do it their way. In the parable of the, of the wedding feast, that guest, who wasn't dressed as, as a wedding guest, wanted to do it his way. He thought he could go in. The insolence of the person, when the king said to him, where's your wedding outfit? And he remained speechless. He wanted to come to the wedding on his terms. He wanted to come dressed as he wanted. Would you wear that to a wedding? Or any, any function? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You would, you would wear, and if there was a, a, a certain dress code, you'd, you'd follow the dress code. Because the host of the event is putting it on. He wants to show respect and courtesy. This person that wedding was not showing respect or courtesy at all. He wanted to do it his way. The religious leaders of the time wanted to do it their way. They wanted to have their own righteousness. They wanted to do it their way. Friends, when we come to Christ, we can't do it our way. As Jesus said, as Paul wrote, we have to bear fruit. We have to bear fruit. Our lives have to bear fruit. And so Paul writes here, you've got to clothe ourselves differently. You've got to clothe ourselves differently. You can't just wear what you want. Because when we come to faith in Christ, it's like God, God dresses us in a brand new outfit. A brand new outfit. It's, it's, there's, no, there's no 
This has got a few creases, sorry. There's no creases. It's washed. It's clean. It's, you, you're clean. You come to faith in Jesus, and it's like you're given a brand new start. But your life has to bear fruit. God wants your life to bear fruit. Here's some, some of the things that, that Paul writes. We've got to be compassionate. We've got to be kind. We've got to be humble. Not wise in our own eyes, but humble. We've got to be gentle, patient. I don't pray for patience because I won't like a response. I let God just mold me in his own way. But uh, I have three children, so I'm sure that's God's way of giving me patience. We've got to bear with each other, forgive one another. And he gets, goes on to say, and above all these virtues, put on love. And this is our new outfit. You and I have got new outfits to wear that are worthy of us being called Christ followers. New outfits. That's the condition. Our lives have got to be bearing fruit. There's a change on the inside, which gives us the permission to wear new clothes. But we've got to daily put on those new clothes. Daily got to put on love, patience, kindness, bearing with each other, forgiveness. We've got to put them on on a daily basis. And the inside flows out to the outside, doesn't it? The religious leaders of the time were just focused more about how they looked, what they said in public, but Jesus is more interested on the heart. You can come to the table. Maybe you're not yet a Christ follower. God would call you today to come to the table, to come to his table, to come to the feast, to come to him, have a relationship with him. But there are conditions, there are criteria that you have to surrender your life, to say, no longer my life will I live, but help me to live a life that pleases you. Help me with these aspects of my life that I'm not so good at. And help me to put them on on a daily basis. With your invite in your hand, not only do you come to his table, but you go to your world. See, the Great Commission, Jesus, it, before he left planet Earth, he says, go into all the world and make disciples. Now, some of us do not have the, the privilege of being able to go into all the world. I look around and we're a multicultural, multinational um, church, so from different countries. But you don't have to cross the seas we just have to cross our streets. Amen? We can go to your world, not the world. Where has God placed you? Well, where do you do life? Who are the people in your world that God wants to reach? See, there's an RSVP. There's a time limit on our, the invitation that's in your hand. And not only is it an invitation for you, thank Jesus, it's also for people in your world. And wouldn't it be deeply, deeply selfish if we as individual believers decided do you know what I'm just happy I'm going to heaven I'm happy that I'm going to have a party when there's people outside that are dying that don't have that privilege for so many people so many young people today Jesus is a swear word Jesus is a, a name that they don't know but Jesus is the invitation to eternal life and we've called to go to your world that's why we're putting on Easter Easter is an opportunity to, to remember all that Jesus has done. And so the invites that are coming, we're, we're promoting the football that's happening Saturday, and this is a cafe here, but also everything that's happening on Easter Sunday. You know, it's not about... We can gather. We can gather and do Easter Sunday just for ourselves. But I liken that to the Titanic. You see, in the Titanic, people were, were partying. We're partying hard. They were, and they didn't know until the last minute that the ship was sinking. 
and then the alarm was calling. But let's not be a, a cruise ship where we're partying and just enjoying things for ourselves. Let's have an outlet that says, God, who is it in my world, Holy Spirit, that you want me to reach out to with a message of hope and love? Who is it that you want me to give this invitation to? And as Leanne said earlier, what's the worst thing they can say? They're, not gonna, they're just going to say no or thank you. I don't want to... I'm going to say this. I mean, Madeline, it's been br brilliant to see you at church. And uh, many people... Mad Madeline makes the journey from Coventry every week. And Madeline is here because Leanne gave her an invite. Isn't that brilliant? Who's sitting next to you? Who's sitting next to me? Today, Madeline is sitting next to Leanne. Because of an invite, an invitation with an RSVP. Madeline replied, Jesus wants you to go into your world. Proverbs 3, 27, 28, and the message says this, never walk away from someone who deserves help. There's people in our world that deserve our help. Not my help, but your help. The people in my world that need my help, people in your world that need your help. Never walk away. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor, maybe some other time or try me tomorrow when the money's right there in your pocket. When the invitation is right there in your pocket. When you are intentional about reaching out to the people in your world because there's an RSVP and a time limit on that invitation. Never walk away. Your hand is God's hand. Have you thought about that? You have the hands of Christ. We are the body of Christ, but you're the hands and feet of Jesus. When people say, what does Jesus look like? They look at you. And you are God's ambassador, God's representative on this earth of Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22, sometimes when we, when we try to reach out, we, we think, oh, I can't because I haven't got all the arguments. I haven't got all the words to say. And we've all seen people on the streets. And I'm not, there's ways to do it. And there's ways not to do it. Can I say this, church, first of all? Be a people connector before you're a people corrector. Be a people connector before you're a people corrector. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so often we, we want to, some of us might want to say, I want to get people, they, they do things wrong. Well, Jesus was the ultimate people connector. He was ridiculed, he was slandered because he hung out with the the wrong people in the eyes of the religious leaders. He hung out with the prostitutes. He hung out with people that were sinners, tax collectors. Jesus knew what he was doing. When he called Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, a tax collector, he called him to his house for tea. Something went on in that moment, in that conversation, in that exchange, where Zacchaeus wanted to repent of all he'd done wrong and give back four times of things that he'd robbed people for. Something went on because Jesus was a people connector, not a people corrector. But when you connect with people, you earn the right to speak. Jesus earned the right to engage. Jesus earned the right to, to tell people. When the woman was caught in adultery, the religious leaders wanted to stone her because of the law of the land. She was wrong. But Jesus cut across cultural, racial, gender barriers. He reached out to people. Church, we need to reach out to people. We need to connect with people like never before. And the way we do that, I believe one of the, the keys of this is in this verse. When I am with those whose consciences bother them easily, I don't act as though I know it all. And don't say they are foolish. The result is that they are willing to let me help them. Yes, whatever a person is like, 
I've tried to find, everyone say it, common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. We've got to find common ground. We've got to seek to connect with people. We're not being weird. We've got to connect with people. We've got to love people. If we don't love people, let God change your heart. If you're looking at people in your workplace thinking, who can I tell? Let God lead you. But find common ground. And people already, if you've got a good testimony at work because you're a hard worker, you've already got a right to connect. You've already got a right to connect. Next step then is, okay, they've been watching your life. Look for maybe some common ground. Do you know one of the greatest ways to to reach out to people is look for where people are hurting. When people are hurting, that gives you an opportunity to help them. Where there's hurt, you can help. When people are going through a difficult time, you can reach out. You can offer to pray. Can I just pray with you? And it doesn't have to be weird and wacky. We just say, look, I'm just going to pray with you if, if you want. In this, obviously, nine times out of ten, they'll say, yes, please. And you say, I'm going to not be weird. I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm just going to keep my eyes open. You can have your eyes open or closed. It's okay. I'm just going to pray with you because I believe God can help. And we pray with people. We offer help in their time of hurt. And God can use that to transform so often, people will start crying because it's the genuine love and affection because we're reaching out to them. But find common ground. Connect with people before we correct people. Your invite gives you the right to come. But can I say your invite that's in your hand, if you've already come, you're already a Christian, your invite gives you the right to go. To go into your world and make disciples. I, I can't do all that, Dave. Well, I, well, the least we can do then is, is give an invite. I dare to believe that as a church, we could fill this place. Last year, last Easter, we had 126 people. I'm daring to believe that this year we'll be standing room only. I wonder as part of our mission, church, we are a missional church. It means we want to be engaging with the community. We want to be loving on, on people that don't know Jesus. It's part of our vision, part of what we're about, living life purposefully. And maybe some, because of standing room only, maybe some of us can give up our seat. Amen? Maybe say, like, as part of my way of serving, Dave, we can give up our seat. I can give up my seat for someone in the community to come. Because I'm daring to believe that this place could be standing room only. Amen? We need to, let's pray our prayers for good weather that we can put, have seats outside. Let's believe that this place can be a place where people can hear the gospel. Last week, friends, had 110 people in the house. Seven Hindu, Hindu ladies came. Leanne, quickly, get up, give me, in 30 seconds, say some of the responses of what they found of being here. They loved it, friends. One of them, I said, tell me about this morning. How did you find it? I really enjoyed the prayers. Another one said, I felt so welcomed. Another one said, I feel such positive atmosphere. It lifts me. I feel better at the end of it. Another one said, I was able to understand everything that happened in the service. I asked another one, how do you feel being here, being a Hindu? I feel really good, she said. People want to know. We have the answer, friends. Wonderful. Brilliant. That was just a normal Mother's Day service. And people receive an invite. I mean, pick it up for, let's thank um, Little Treasures team. Come on. It's about friends. It's about that. And then we've got to join the dots of the church to help people then grow in their relationship. And we're going to be on with that this year. Just thinking about how we can disciple people better. 
But the starting point is getting an invite. The starting point is darkening the doors and meeting you and God changing their lives. I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray right now. Just invite you to just close your eyes. You know, just uh, as I've been talking right now, and maybe you're, you're not yet a Christian. You're not yet a Christ follower. And you've been listening. And you just, and you just today want to say, uh, I want to say yes to Jesus. I don't know everything, but I want to say yes to Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you, but in a few moments, I'm just going to invite you to put your hand in the air. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm not going to um, ask you to stand up. But where every eye is shut and, and head is bowed, I'm going to invite you to, to, to raise your hand in the air. But if you're not yet a Christ follower, and today could be your day where you say, I want to surrender my life. I want to give up control of my life. I want to do it God's way. Because I've got an invitation, and God wants to give me everlasting life. And today could be your day. Uh, maybe you're here today and you're a, a, a Christian, but you're, you know you're not with God as you know you need to be. You're backslidden in your heart. And, and, and God is saying to you, come home. Come home. Come as you are. Come home. Maybe it's your time to say yes to Jesus again. It doesn't matter how many times in our lives we say yes to Jesus. Isn't that the best thing we can do, church? The best thing we can do is to say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus. You're not saying yes to me. Who am I? You're saying yes to Jesus, the King of Kings, who died and rose again, beat sin and death on that cross to give you and I everlasting life. So right now, I'm going to invite you, right now, wherever you are across this hall, if you just want to say yes to Jesus today, just raise your hand high so I will see it right now. Come on, right now, where you are, where you are, where you are. Whether you're a new Christian or, or not yet a Christian, doesn't matter. Fantastic, fantastic, right across this place hands raised. So we're going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. I wonder if you can join me with it. Everyone, everyone in the room, just join in this prayer. Dear Jesus, today I surrender my life. I give control of my life to you. I want to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I choose to come to your table. I, come, I choose to follow you. Help me for the rest of my life to make the, the most of my life, to please you and to live with your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.